you'll be happy to hear that my camera work was getting better today. It was only once that I forgot to switch it over. Would you pray with me, please, this morning? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise this morning. We thank you uh, for the work that you are doing in our lives. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come and uh, worship you together as a body of believers. Um, I pray that you just um, would continue to work in our hearts, that you would continue to shape and lead us and guide us, Father. Um, Our desire is to be more like your Son. Uh, We uh, struggle with this, and we know that um, it is only because of your kindness in our lives that we're able to continue to pursue um, after you. Uh, Father, be again with us in our time this morning. Allow our eyes to be opened. Allow our hearts to be shaped. Father, our desire is that we would look different as we leave this place because of your word and the way that it shapes us. Father, again, we recognize this is only possible because of your son, the one that we call Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, This week we're going to continue with our brief series on generosity. I'm going to turn this off. Uh, Last week week we looked at um, the generosity of the Father. It was Father's Day. It was a great title. It worked out really well. But we spent our time looking at the fact that God gave us His Son. That's actually what... The entire time that we spent opening up God's Word, we looked at John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave. In an ultimate act of generosity, the Father gave His Son for a payment of our sins. This generous gift is why we have a future, why we have hope, and why we have good news. How did you first hear about Jesus? For me, I don't really remember a time where I didn't know about Jesus. I mean, I grew up going to church, sitting in Sunday school, singing in the children's choir, serving in a lot of different ways, but for me, I always kind of knew there was Jesus. I accepted the gift of salvation when I was 20 after someone, a stranger, walked me through Romans 6.23. I'd always known that there was Jesus, but... It was at that moment that it came all together for me. My sinful and hopeless state, the punishment I deserved, the amazing gift of a perfect, spotless, sinless Savior that would give His life for mine, that He would face the wrath of God on my behalf, and that God would no longer see the wretch that I am, but He would now see me as righteous. Like this all came together for me. And after that conversation, after that moment of understanding, my life would be different. And not because I magically became a good person. My life was different because my focus was different. To move your gaze from the things of this earth to the things of heaven, it changes your perspective. And it's this new perspective that creates a desire, a longing to share your hope with others, to point other people to this generous gift. And it's where we find ourselves this morning. This is where we want to spend the rest of our time looking at this generous gift, the gift of good news. Being generous with the gospel, being generous with our testimony should be our desire. It should be what we're striving to do. And and perhaps it's it's maybe just good to state the obvious here, but but people, people are watching you 
it, it, it probably doesn't shock you. But, but people are watching what you say. People are watching how you react. People are watching how you live and, and how you speak. And uh, there's, there's actually a, a pretty good illustration of this. Um, it's a story. It's an, it's an old illustration. You've probably even heard it before. But there's a story about a preacher who's working in his garden and he's building, building a trellis. And he's, he's out there working and banging and sawing away. And there's this boy from the neighborhood that comes and he sits outside and he's just kind of watching this preacher work. And the preacher notices him sitting there but just keeps working. And just after a while, he looks at the boy and he says, like, you taking notes on, on how to build this or how to work in the garden? And... And the boy said, no, I just wanted to see what happens when a preacher hits his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> I told you, it was, it's old, it's not necessarily good. I mean, but people are watching you. There's, I actually have a quote in my office from D.L. Moody. It says, out of 100 men, one will read the Bible. 99 will read the Christian. And now we've become pretty comfortable with the idea of people watching us. We've actually... We actually kind of like it. We live our lives in such a way that, that we like to share moments. We like to share things that are going on in our lives. I mean, that's why Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram, that's why they thrive, because we like for people to see what we're doing. Now, we pick and choose what moments and, and what we want to share, but, you know, we... We look and, and we post our things and then we spend hours combing through everybody else's things to see what they posted and shared. So let me share a couple of mine. So, it was Father's Day last week and because my wife loves me so much, she created a collage to show everybody how great of a father I am. Now, I'm not the only one. I think... Everybody at some point on Father's Day had some sort of social media something that said about how they're the best father ever. And I don't want to remind anybody, but we can't all be the best fathers ever. <laughs> Just, well. So there's a picture <laughs> of just how happy we are. Um, you should ask my wife how long it took her to find pictures of us smiling and having a good time together. It took her quite a while. But that's not the only picture that we post, right? So there's that, but I also... We need to take um, time to post our standard vacation picture, right? Because this lets you know that we take vacation together. We like being together. We'll even wear matching shirts for the picture just so we look happy. Now, not all of us look happy. You probably can't see Bobby. He's the little one in the middle. He's, he's not happy. But we do. We like to put things out there so people can see. They can, they can see the, the moments we have, right? This is a great time on vacation with my family. There's other things that we post on social media, such as this next one. This is a picture of Grace and Paige waiting at the bus stop. It was really, really cold that morning, and they were both complaining about being cold, so they huddled together to stay warm. And it was one of those, ah, oh, I'm so proud to be a dad. They love each other so much. Look, they're keeping warm at the bus stop together. Now, my wife saw that picture and she said, why don't you just have them like go in the house or sit in the van? <laughs> but I wanted everyone to see how much they loved each other because, you know, we raised these perfect children. 
And, it, and it's not just those moments. We also post pictures like this. This is another great collage that was put together to show my, my wife how much we love each other. And this was probably our anniversary and the different stages of our, <laughs> of our lives. At one point, we were young. <laughs> and thought we had things figured out. And then we got really old and gray and realized we didn't have any of it figured out. But we have become really, thanks Mike, we've become really, really comfortable with sharing all the time. I, even over sharing. So the, the question becomes, what are we sharing? And how can we use the spotlight that we cast upon ourselves to maybe highlight something greater? So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, or if you have the Pew Bible in front of you, if you could open it up to Philippians, the book of Philippians, chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 30. So Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 30 here this morning. This is what Paul writes to the church of Philippi. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction by, of your salvation of that of God. For if it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul begins this by saying, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is, this is how he, he picks up again in, this, in his letter here. He's speaking to the church of Philippi. But, but I want you to, to think broader as we talk about what our lives um, look like and, and the light that we cast, the thing that we're shining, the thing that we're sharing with other people and what that looks like. There have been, there's been moments in my parenting, and as you saw by the pictures, I'm an amazing parent, that I ask my children a, a really simple question. I remind them of something. And, and actually, I'll, I'll tell you the question. I ask them, I say, what is your last name? Now, it's, it's a simple question. And they know the answer to it. But it's when they say Harrison. They realize that it, that it means it's more than just about themselves. It, it, it represents something larger. And how they conduct themselves, the decisions they make, they have an impact, not just on themselves, but on their family. Ultimately on me, which is really why I'm driving that. So I want to remind them to live in a manner that's worthy of being Harrison. Oh, now Paul is speaking about living in a, a life worthy of something far greater than being a Harrison. He's calling us to live a life worthy of the gospel. Worthy of that generous gift of God. Remember, God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Conduct yourselves in a way that brings honor to the good news of Jesus Christ. Bring glory to the one who died for you and rose again. I mean, there's something about putting on a uniform. 
whether, whether it's a sports team or it has to do with your job, there's something about putting on the uniform that, that shapes your focus. We have Christ. The Bible says that we're clothed in His righteousness. Therefore, as we stand here clothed in our new uniforms, we should conduct ourselves in a way that brings justice and honor and glory to that gift. What we see here in verse 27 is that the good news of Christ's love should have a profound effect on how we relate to one another. It should constantly be shaping how we see the world around us and how we interact with the world around us and how the world around us sees us. How's that going for you? I mean, as we sit here this morning, can we say that the good news of Christ, the good news of His love, shapes how we relate to others? I mean, if I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. There, there's certainly days where it shapes me better than others. It's easy some days to allow bitterness and criticism, doubt and gossip, to shape my relationships instead of the gospel, instead of the good news. And this past week was one of them. As I prepare this message, as I prepare this topic, oh, I'll just bombarded this week with bitterness. And anger. <laughs> Let your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you're being generous with your testimony, if you're looking to share with others the life-changing effect of the good news, then your testimony will offer accountability in the way that you live. I'm since we were talking about social media, let me share with you what I feel is the worst thing about social media. There's a lot of bad things, but this is the worst thing. You don't have to talk to anybody. Everything you post, everything you share, everything you comment is done without any physical interaction. This presents little to no accountability. And now we're, we're going to kind of go on a tangent here, but... But we've become really comfortable with anonymity on the internet. We post things, we share things that, that we would never do, we would never say if somebody was standing next to us. Everyone's a lot braver when you can say something online. We often are not as brave when we're criticizing or speaking against somebody and they're sitting next to us. Imagine your mother looking over your shoulder at what you're typing. Accountability is a good thing, and, and living a life that is generous with our testimony helps create a sense of accountability. If you're being open to others about Jesus, about your faith, about your salvation, about your church, then those moments, when those moments arise, when you want to allow gossip or, or criticism in or, or bitterness in, you're, you're going to think differently. And it looks different because the people you work with, the neighbors you live with, the kids you attend class with, they, they know what you've shared. They know your story. They, they know what your life looks. They know you're, you're different. You claim to be different. You're speaking different because of the sacrifice of Jesus in your life. But if you've never shared that testimony, if the people you work with, the people you live with, the people you go to class with, if they have no idea about your regeneration, no idea about your salvation, then, then you're purposely living 
anonymously. (laughs) Yeah. I miss Joel too. And and don't get me wrong, I know the argument. I I do know the argument. Um, I don't know what to say to people. You know, I share my testimony best when people can just see how I live. And that's good. We're called to live a life that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. But, but shouldn't we make sure that, that when they're watching us, that they don't just see someone who looks different, that they don't just see someone who is nice and kind, shouldn't we make sure that they see Jesus and not just us? Living a life that is generous with our testimony is a way that we can be a blessing to others. Now, I know we've already, we've already read this text this morning. Tyler did a great job reading it. But if you could turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. We're going to kind of camp here the rest of the time this morning. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp to put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, this is, this is it. This is sharing the good news. This is allowing people to see not just your vacation pictures and, and how great of a parent you are, but, but allowing people to see how great your Father is. To bring glory to the Father who is in heaven. This is, this is our goal. This is our desire. This is what should spur us on. Now we pick up this passage, though, in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. The moments where Jesus is calling His followers and His disciples to live to a higher standard. Right? In, these, in, these, in, these, in this sermon, there are calls to turn to the other cheek. Commands to love your enemy. To offer forgiveness to those who do you wrong. That we should act with pure motives. Right, that, that there's two roads, right? The wide road that leads to, discuss, to destruction and the narrow road that, that leads to life. And it's in this section, and it's in this section that those who follow Him are to be called to be a godly influence on the world in which they live. We're called and commanded to bless the world around us. And, and, and one of the ways of doing that is being generous with the good news. To be salt. To be light. You are salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. I don't know how familiar you are with salt. But there's no such thing as unsalty salt. You can't find it. And if you look to add salt to your food, those little granulars, those little, 
those little white flakes that come out of the salt shaker, if, if they're not salty, then, then somebody is messing with your food because pure salt doesn't go bad. It, it doesn't lose its saltiness. Sodium chloride, table salt, that, that you go and buy at the supermarket, at the grocery stores, is pure. But, but let's remember here in, in, this, in this time, in this age, they're not going swinging by Darren camps to pick up some salt. It was mined in a quarry. It was dug up from a pit. And it, was, and it was never completely pure at that point. And so there were times when they gathered it and, and they found it and it wasn't impure. And actually there was so much impurity that it really wasn't salt. And when that was the case, they would cast it out. They would throw it out of their door and it would, it would actually harden into the pathway in front of their home. So when he says it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under a person's foot, that's exactly what they did. They threw it out and threw it out in front of their door so people could walk on and it could harden in front of their house. Jesus is pointing out that if, if we as followers are going to be faithfully changing the world, then the gospel needs to be the real thing. It, it needs to be real in us and we need to be real in it. Our lives cannot be a mixture of impurities. It can't be uncompromised. We need to be pure and, and we need to be authentic. We've been called to be authentic. This is where I think that we can offer the blessing and encouragement to those around us. By being real and authentic. Again, think back to Father's Day just this past week. Right? Sunday. Everybody loves their father on Father's Day. We're giving out books and chocolate and singing songs and it's great. But let me ask the dads how this past week was. Did it look different? Did you wake up every day of that week with breakfast and cards and songs? My house is not filled with songs about how great I am or how thankful my children were that I provide discipline for them. Those pictures never get posted. But if I'm being authentic, I would share with you the times that I throw my hands up in frustration and tears with being a father and being a husband. Those moments when I'm completely, when I have just completely messed up and have fallen short. When I've let, when I've let anger win, or I've focused on, on the behavior and not the heart. Oh, but no, look how happy we are getting ice cream. Imagine the great blessing, the great encouragement you could be to somebody if you were just authentic. No one likes to feel alone. No one likes to feel that they're the only one going through their trials and their struggles. So if we're going to be open and honest, if we're going to be authentic, if we're going to be real, then let's be authentic and real about our brokenness and our struggles too. How much more could we bring honor to God for the work that He has done in our lives if we shared our testimonies with others? Oh, I love God. Jesus has, has done work on the cross. I've got salvation through His blood. I am a new creation. But I really lost it this past week. Huh. I was angry, and I was short. Oh. 
But I know there's grace and mercy on the other side of that. So as you sit here this morning and you thought, oh, I am the only one who is angry at my children some days. You (laughs) are not. But there is grace and there's mercy on the other side of that. We can offer this blessing and we can offer this encouragement to those around us if we are just real and authentic and generous with our testimony. One of the things that that limits the voice of Christians in our culture today is a lack of authenticity. And I've heard people share, and you've heard people share, that, that they just... Right? We're just hypocrites, right? Christians are just hypocrites. This comes back to living a life worthy of the worthy of the gospel of Christ. When we don't do it, it destroys the witness that we have and it pushes the people that are watching us further away. If we're not honest about it, if we only show the, the great rainbows and, and, and sparkles that, that life has and not the gloom and clouds that sometimes roll in, then then people are just going to assume that what we have is not real. One may read the Bible. Ninety-nine will read the Christian. Our lives need to be overflowing with generosity, overflowing with grace and overflowing with authenticity, overflowing with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Do the people you work with, live with, attend school with, do they see to the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life? Are you the real thing? Is, is there so much impurity mixed in your faith that it's, that it's hard to sort it all out? The key is being authentic. The key is being real, not trying to appear perfect. Right? Everyone knows that you took 20 pictures just to get the one that you look right in. We know that you're using filters to make those adjustments. We know. But if you're worried so much about people only seeing the Photoshop version of you, then they're never going to see the real you. They're never going to see your struggles. And it's going to appear that sin is only just a distant memory in your life. And we know that that's just not being authentic. When we accept the gift of salvation through Jesus, we are made clean, white as snow. And it's not just something on the outside, like whitewashed tombs that are filled with bones. We're to be conformed into the likeness of His Son to influence the world toward godliness and to share our story with others. We've all had friends or know of friends that maybe weren't the best influence on us growing up. I had a really good friend uh, when I was growing up from middle school, high school, and beyond. Um, His name was Mike Stouter, and his parents, thankfully, are not here this morning. I know they're on vacation. Uh, We were were not the best influence on each other. Actually, I, I believe both parents probably told each of us individually, you know, he's not really a good influence on you. But I was probably the worst part of the duo. And there were times where we just, we just did not make each other better. Or we encouraged each other to do things that were unwise. Like to drive really 
<laughs> to, like, to drive really fast in their parents' station wagon to see how much air you could get off that hill on Latort Road. And he did. And he destroyed their station wagon. I'm really still sorry about that one. But we have a great opportunity to influence and shape those around us. Our influence is affected and shaped by our generosity of the good news. If those around you are not aware of your testimony, then the influence you have only points to you. When we're generous with our testimony, then the testimony that we have points them to Jesus. Salt is a seasoning, a preservative, but unless it's brought into contact with another object, the influence is wasted. Salt becomes invisible to have a visible effect. Salt by itself does, is nothing more than little granulas, but, but when it's rubbed onto meat or when it's added to food, it becomes invisible and it does what it's intended to do. It influences the flavor. It shapes what you taste. Salt that just sits in the shaker is of no real use. It's much like believers who become complacent or who no longer share the grace they've been given. They're just sitting in the shaker. Verse 15, Nor do people light a lamp to put it under a basket. It doesn't do you any good to light a lamp and then to hide it. You you light the lamp and then you put it on a lampstand so it lights up your home. We have been made for so much more than just to sit by and keep to ourselves. Our testimonies about our suffering provide blessing on those who have the same struggles. Our testimonies of how we receive the gospel provide encouragement and ultimately bring honor and glory to God. John the Baptist said, I'm I'm the voice giving witness of the one who is to come. Our testimony should be pointing to Jesus. The moon is not a source of light, yet I can go out at night and see that the moon is glowing. But what I really see is the reflection of the sun itself. I'm not the story. You're not the story. The story is the Messiah. And and this should give us great comfort. This should give us great joy. And this should just relieve the anxieties that come with speaking our testimony. I mean, there's no such thing as a dull testimony or a boring testimony. They're all about Christ, and that, that, that's exciting and, and good. And our testimonies offer accountability in the way that we live. The more people know about your faith in Christ, the more people you share the gospel with, the more accountability you'll be placing in your life, and it will ultimately shape you and carry the way that you speak and the way that you talk and the way that you act And most of all, the way that you love. Our Heavenly Father was generous with the gift of His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And we're to be generous with the good news that we have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are grateful and thankful for today. Uh, We recognize that it is not always easy to to speak and to share and to open up and, and Father, and be authentic or real. Uh, But we also recognize that that's what we're called to do and to be. 
You have created each one of us individually. You have created each one of us, Father, and, and we are not perfect. <laughs> we confess that we work really hard to appear perfect. Father, throughout this, uh, throughout this day, throughout this week, throughout this month, Father, would you continually remind us that our hope is in you and in not with what we bring to the table? That our desire should be, be, to be to point others to your Son and the salvation that is through Him and, and not how we have things all together? Father, would we be generous with our testimony? Would we be overflowing uh, with those that we live with and work with and go to class with? Father, would they, would they know where we stand? Would they know what we believe? Would they, would they know, huh, Father, our love for you? And Father, would you use that, not just to shape us, to hold us accountable, but Father, would you use that to draw others to you? Oh, what a joy it is to be a part of someone's journey. Father, most of all, we we recognize that in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our sinfulness, Father, it is easy sometimes to lose track, to lose focus on the great gift that you have given us, that you have generously poured out for us. Would we be reminded of that again today? That that gift of your son, would that continually shape um, the way that we look and see the world around us? Father, we're grateful for that gift. And Father, we ask that you'd be honored in the rest of our worship here this morning. Father, we love you and praise in your son's name. Amen.